1: We're talking Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis and more with Mason Ginsburg on this episode of Locked On Pelicans. I'm Brett Dawson. Three. Pass into the corner. Three for Holiday. That is a Drew Holiday highlight from last season. Might be a little while before you hear another one. I'm Brett Dawson. I cover the Pelicans for the New Orleans Advocate. And this is Locked On Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And that was a highlight from Drew Holiday's podcast. 2015-16 season. Um, And of course, as you know by now, it's going to be a little while till uh, Drew Holiday is back on the court in 2016-17. Let's get through some of the news of the day. We're going to have Mason Ginsburg on to talk a little bit about the fallout. Um, The news of the day, of course, is the news of the week. And this week, the big news is about Drew Holiday. And specifically, it's about his wife, Lauren Holiday. Um, Really unfortunate news uh, that came out over the weekend. Uh, that that uh, doctors had discovered an operable. It is an operable brain tumor uh, for Lauren Holiday. She's going to need surgery on that, um, but she's not going to be able to have that surgery until after she gives birth to the couple's first child. She's expecting and uh, and due uh, sometime in October. So a difficult time for the Holiday family, which should be a really really joyous time is uh, is you know uh, going to result in a surgery for her sometime after the birth of their first child uh, there's going to be some recovery time and during all of this Drew Holiday is going to be away from the Pelicans uh, for an undisclosed period of time the Pelicans are telling him not to rush back uh, giving him all the time that he needs to uh, to be with his family to get his mind back on basketball after he's dealt with everything that he needs to deal with uh, and so it's going to be a, a bit of a, a gap uh, at the beginning of the season it's Really hard to say exactly when, and we'll get into some of that with Mason Ginsburg here in a little bit, just talking about the uncertainty of uh, Lauren Holiday's situation and uh, the uncertainty of the timetable. Certainly what matters most uh, in all of this is Lauren Holiday's health. She herself is a tremendous athlete, a recently retired uh, professional soccer player, two-time uh, U.S. Olympic gold medalist in women's soccer, and uh, just a, a difficult time, uh, again, for for. A couple who should be, uh, you know, kind of having the time of their lives right now um, with their first child on the way. So just a difficult thing. Of course, we're thinking of her and thinking of Drew Holiday as they go through uh, this situation. But we're going to mostly deal with the basketball fallout from it uh, in this podcast because it's a, it's a basketball podcast. And as I will say when I talk to Mason, uh, we don't want to seem callous in discussing the basketball aspect of this. But that's, that's the part we can discuss here. So uh, we will get into that. Um, a little bit of other news today. Anthony Davis cleared to play. Um, he's going to be, uh, he has been playing some pickup games with his teammates. We're getting very close to the start of camp. Uh, before you know it, we're going to be, uh, you know, media day and, and the start of practices. Um, so, uh, quite a bit going on for the Pelicans right now. A lot of, uh, a lot of change, a lot of upheaval, some guys coming back, obviously, uh, one key guy is going to be missing. We talked about Lance Stevenson last week, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. So we're going to get Mason in here in just a few minutes and talk about all kinds of stuff, a pretty uh, wide ranging conversation before we get into that, um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work a bunch of different places in my career. And one of those places was um, a network of sports websites. and We had a relationship there with a company called SeatGeek. And a few years ago, I got to meet some of the people uh, behind that company. And it's a really innovative place that set out to do a really simple thing, which is just make it easy to buy sports and concert tickets online, which you probably know is not always the easiest thing to do because you don't know a whole lot about Uh, The venue you're going to maybe, you don't know what's a good deal and what's a bad deal. Uh, SeatGeek takes care of all that for you. It does all the work. Just like Kayak for Travel, it's going to search all these different ticket sites. It's going to list the tickets available and the prices. And not only that, it's going to give you a deal score. So you know exactly uh, how good a deal or how bad a deal each one of those prices is. And the best way to use SeatGeek, in my opinion, as somebody who's used it, is to use the app. Uh, And I'm going to give you a great incentive to do that if you haven't done it already. Go to the App Store. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, and type in L-O-P-E-L-S. That's L-O-P-E-L-S. And SeatGeek is going to send you $20 after you make your first purchase. So uh, it's the absolute best way to buy sports and concert tickets. There's so many events in New Orleans, so many uh, concerts everywhere. But if you're listening to this in New Orleans, and the stats say you are, uh, you can check out Saints games or Pelicans games or any of the many, many concerts going on. SeatGeek, absolutely the best way to get your tickets to those events. I should also remind you as if you need reminding that uh, football season is underway and the best place for you to read about the saints and about LSU is at the advocate.com as a bonus. It happens to be a really good place to get Pelicans coverage. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a pretty good chance you want that. I hope you can get that from me and from Scott Kushner and from our columnist Rod Walker at the advocate.com, uh, all your Pelicans news, all your saints news, all your new Orleans and Baton Rouge sports news. You definitely want to check it out there. Uh, if you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, or if you have any questions, guests you'd like to recommend questions you'd like to ask of specific guests or of me uh you can uh, I'll, you can always at me on twitter at b dawson but you can also email me at locked at gmail.com and we can talk about sponsorship opportunities with all that said let's get to mason ginsburg you know him from bourbon street shots and from uh, podcasts all over the country apparently uh popular guests um Brought him on this week just to kind of talk about all that's going on with the Pelicans as we get so much closer. I've had Mason on before. It was a lot of off-season talk. This is a little bit more focused toward the start of the season, Uh, some of our expectations, some of how this uh, Drew Holiday news will kind of affect the rotation. Just talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Mason's always a good guy to have on, so uh, let's jump into talking to him, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, so Mason Ginsburg is here. A week after we we tried to set something up last week. I took a little shot at you for not coming on, but it was really my fault (laughs) for not asking sooner. I did kind of ask, like, the day of
0: yep yeah you did and I would have loved to be on just didn't timing didn't work out with the Labor Day weekend coming up, and but I'm glad we were able to figure something out for this week.
1: You had people in because you went to you went to LSU, Wisconsin, which is a bit of a sore subject for a lot of people, probably. It,
0: for a lot of people, I just went for the experience and the tailgating and just the atmosphere. I'm gonna I didn't go to Lambo. my buddies went to the game. I didn't go, but the Saints play the Packers in Green Bay next year, so I'm hopefully gonna check out Lambeau for that. But it was a it was a it was a fun time. Um, I don't think anyone everyone was disappointed about the game, obviously, but it was Green Bay was very a very welcoming host and it was a, it was, it was a pretty good experience.
1: Yeah, That's a cool, I would like to go to a game there at some point. I would like to be, maybe, maybe the saints game, who knows? Maybe I'll do that. (laughs) Um, but we're not going to talk about football. That's not really why I bring you on for the most (laughs) part. Um, so this is my first podcast since the drew holiday stuff. So we're going to talk some about that. Um, uh, for people who don't know, we talked about this at the top of the show, but obviously, um, his wife, Lauren, his pregnant wife, Lauren, who is expecting their first child, uh, soon, uh, it does have a, an operable brain tumor. Uh, they're going to be able to have sur- she's going to be able to have surgery on that after the baby is born. Um, but Drew Holiday's going to be out a while. Uh, we don't know exactly how long. I would be surprised if it's less than say a month. I mean, I think he's going to be out a prolonged part and a month of the regular season. I mean, I think he's going to miss a significant amount of time. Um, what obviously Mason, the first reaction when something like this happens is is your heart sort of sinks for them for for Lauren and for Drew at a time that should be, this should be a, a really a joyous time for them, a purely joyous time. You're getting ready to have your first kid and this happens. I think that's everybody's first reaction, right? It's just, it's a crushing thing for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, first of all, I mean, you have to, we just found out about it, but you know, that that's been something they've been, you know, they've had on their minds for a little while now. And so I, uh, they've probably, I'm sure they've had time to really, um, you know, cope with it and, I, I think while all of us are obviously very sad and all of our thoughts are with the the family, I think everything that I've heard about this, the whole this situation is that everyone expects her to be fine. Everyone expects the family to be fine, which is great. But obviously, Drew has to think of his family first. And I think the Pelicans organization has done a great job of making uh, making Drew Real understand and, and feel OK to take some time away and, and take care of that, you know, Uh, his wife and and his newborn uh, soon to come. So uh, I think everything everyone's kind of approached and addressed this unfortunate situation uh, the best way possible. And, you know, I think we're all very optimistic that things will be okay.
1: Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about this mostly from a basketball standpoint. I want to get it out of the way up top that that's what we're going to mostly talk about. And that doesn't mean that that's all we're thinking about. You know, obviously the, the life Stuff is much more important than the basketball stuff, the family stuff. But for our purposes, the thing we can discuss at length is is sort of the basketball fallout of this. Uh, And that's what we're going to do is just kind of talk about what this means for the Pelicans. It's obviously a little bit difficult to break down because, again, I I have a sense of, you know, a ballpark amount of time that I I wouldn't expect him to miss less than X amount of time. But we don't know exactly how long it's going to be, and we can't know because there's going to be surgery. There's going to be recovery time. There's going to be a birth first uh, there's a lot that goes into this timetable and the timetable at this point is really uncertain. And so therefore, just the amount of time he's going to miss is very uncertain. But we know they're going to open a season and he's not going to be there. And so I guess, you know, the first thing you think about is what happens to that starting lineup and what happens to the way they play. So what, what's your first thought about a lineup change? What What do you think about point guard now?
0: Man, I mean, I think the the easy part is figuring out who starts in place of Drew, which is obviously not, not ideal. But I think Tim Fraser is the guy. I don't know who else you can go with. The, the the other questions that that are more interesting to me are what you do with the rest of the lineup. Does yep. the rest of your starting lineup change? And so, I mean, do you disagree? Do you think Tim Frazier is a choice or is there someone else you would start instead of, uh, instead of him? I,
1: I think as people know who listen to the podcast, I hate projecting rotation stuff when I haven't seen a, a bunch of these guys play yet. But in this mm-hmm. situation situation yeah I think so I mean if you look at last year his numbers were really good in this system and the system is the thing I think you have to factor in with with anybody and 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 the way they approach this he's he's very good he's the most natural point guard they have he was very good in this system when they didn't have all their pieces last year um you know I didn't expect him to play nearly as much this year now that's obviously going to change early but I, I think so I think the one caveat is Uh, You know, let's see what happens with Langston Galloway and and maybe Etwan Moore when they get into the system and how they look in preseason and and just how comfortable they are running a team in that system. But to me, the safe bet is Frazier just because he's the one really pure point guard. The other guys you went out and got – it's not like they went out and got anybody to replace Drew Holiday. They didn't know this when they went out to make these changes. Um, And so – you know they they don't have another guy who you think of as a pure point guard, so he he is to me the logical choice. I think I'd like to see how those other guys look and and see if anybody takes to point guard in the system, uh, particularly well because it is a, a system that tends to elevate point guard stats. Um, but yeah, to me he's the, the the real easy choice.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And then yeah, you know, moving towards the rest of the lineup. I mean, I think I think we were all not everyone, but I think a lot of people were pretty much set on Buddy being the, the starting two. Uh, from from day one just because that's you know they drafted a uh, an experienced college player who did very well in his last year of college to come in and be an impact player right away and now well you know I, well i don't know if we all expected buddy would be in that finishing five with everyone healthy but i think most people a lot of people thought he was going to be the starter right and now without drew I think this is a pretty divisive topic because I don't I don't think that's the right play and I, I, there are arguments for both sides here but I, I really like it's one more as a guy who can start alongside um, Tim Fraser for for a lot of reasons and I know you just said you know, like you don't like to talk about rotations we haven't seen anything especially given the kind of turnover this roster has seen over the summer but um, I just don't the, the Fraser buddy combination just screams just a train wreck on defense just like last year uh, when when Drew wasn't in the lineup. And I, I just don't really want to put AD in that position again of having to cover for for a lack of defensive ability on the perimeter. And I I think it, it's one more gives you more – at least a little more stability on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I, I think Galloway would as well. I think it's more likely that it's more there because I think it's more likely now if, if you're going to change this rotation in this way that Galloway is going to be your first point guard off the bench – most likely that he's going to be running point. That's my guess. Um, you know, that he would be the guy after Frazier that runs that spot. So, um, that, you know, I have said, buddy, all along. I've said, I thought buddy would start. I've, I've, I felt that way from the day they drafted him that he was most likely going to be their starter. I am kind of with you on this. Um, because that was always with the the expectation that he would be starting alongside Drew Holiday, who is a really versatile defensive guy who you can put on either guard spot uh, and Mm. feel really comfortable, and then you can mask a little bit of what Buddy's deficiencies are and are going to be defensively. So um, without a guy to do that, and Frazier definitely is not the guy to do that. If we we learned anything about him last year, uh, (laughs) he fits the offense very well, and he's not very good defensively at this point. So... um, I tend to agree with you that we're probably going to see that change unless, you know, if if Buddy Heald is just too good to keep out of the starting lineup. And I, I don't anticipate that's going to be the thing. He's going to have an adjustment period. And so um, I, I think all of that, I think what I think your logic there is right. I think it's the most likely outcome. Uh, and then I think, you know, rotationally behind that, some of that depends on how guys take to the system and some of it. Depends on who the guys are because, you know, we can't rule out the possibility that there's somebody there we didn't anticipate being there, including potentially a guy like Lance Stevenson.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, nice, nice name drop. Uh, I just, I, I'm still skeptical now. And I'm not sure how they make space for him on the roster without a trade since we are 15 guaranteed contracts. And that's, it's a, it's an interesting thought. And I think he makes sense from a playmaking perspective, because if you think about the guys the Pelicans have on the roster right now, Who's who creates and uh, and you know I'm not even saying Lance is going to help distribute or anything, but who who gets through the rim? Like who who's going to break down the defense and and cause some collapses and, and, and create those open looks? Because you know if you you have bigs and, and wings who can pass well, which I think the Pelicans have improved in that aspect from this off season, that helps. But you still need a guy like you know Tyreke Evans, for example who can help, you know, break the defense down and, and kind of create some chaos. And, and the Pelicans really don't have much of that on the roster right now, especially with Drew out.
1: Yeah. And I, I, mean, I think that's, I mean, I don't think I know that's why they were exploring some other options. Once they found out about the holiday situation, that's why the look at Ty mm-hmm. Lawson before he ended up in Sacramento. Um, and that's certainly why the look at Lance Stevenson. Um, I, I think, you know, I said this last week and I said this before I knew the, the holiday situation, I think, you know, there's a a pretty good chance that Lance is in camp with them, barring somebody else coming in and saying like, Hey, you know, we'd like to bring you in and and that being a better situation. If somebody who doesn't have 15 guaranteed contracts comes in and says, Hey, why don't you come to camp with us? Maybe that could change things. But I think there's a pretty good chance he's in camp. And then if he's great in camp for that reason, uh, because they lack that, uh, then I think they might have to explore some things. They might have to look at the possibility of creating a space somehow. Um, but that's a long way away. That's so much stuff that has to happen. you got to, A, get him in camp. B, he's got to be really good. And C, you've got to be able to do those things. Um, yeah. But I, I do see the I see the logic behind wanting to take a look at him. If you look at last year, he did some of those things in Memphis. Now, again, that's yep. a situation where they're really shorthanded. Uh, and, and, and as we saw in New Orleans, somebody has to put up numbers when all those guys are out. When you're missing so many pieces, somebody's got to step up and do things. But Lance did. He was pretty good, and that that was the closest he's been to Indiana Lance, um, you know, since he left. So, you know, I I get the idea of taking a look. I, I think there's very little risk in taking a look at him, particularly yep. now, knowing what we know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. And I mean, if you look at the ways to make space, I, I look at three guys who I could foresee them, uh, you know, moving to 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 make this space. If Lance, like you said, impresses in camp, I mean, you've got. You've got uh, Alexis uh, Alexis Jinsa, who I think out of the three guys, he has the most. He's he's he, I don't think he's a negative as a trade asset. I think you could get nothing in in, in return for him, and just cause he's he's a seven foot two center who can knock down a mid range jumper on a you know on a reasonable contract in this new cap environment. So I think you could probably find a home for him um, Tyreek, we, we talked about that. I think last time, uh, you had me on. And so I'm not going to dig too deep into that, but, um, and then the the third being Alonzo G, uh, but he's, he's so close with AD. I think you'd have to get AD sign off on, on on that before kind of making a move like that. But those are the three I would look at as potential guys who would move if Lance Stevenson was decided that he, it just, uh, if the Pelicans decide they can really, uh, benefit from Stevenson being on the team
1: yeah that's to me Lance is the most sort of intriguing uh, preseason story depending on what happens if he's in camp it's obviously fascinating because it does mean you know something's got to happen if they're going to keep him mm-hmm. um, and, and you're right about the I, I think you know I think people who understand what's going on don't undervalue that Alonzo G thing but I think there probably are people who do because you don't understand. I think there are people who probably looking outside, outside looking in, maybe don't understand that dynamic that he and Anthony mm-hmm. Davis are very close, that they share representation. <laughs> um, that you know, there's a lot going on there. He's a you know, the locker is is right down from Anthony Davis last year. It was Per uh, Kendrick Perkins was the only guy between them. Uh, this year, probably one step closer to Anthony Davis yeah. even in the locker room. So yeah, th- those are all things to factor in. I wonder if you so taking Lance out of the equation. We talked at the beginning about starting lineups. And and the possibility of not starting Buddy Hield, or maybe even the probability of not starting Buddy Hield if you don't have Drew Holiday. What do you think about the front court then? Does it change the way you look at anything else? If you're gonna, if you're not gonna have Drew Holiday out there, and maybe you're not gonna have uh, a guy who I think you sort of expect to be a good shooter. Do you want to change anything in the way you start up
0: front? So you're. You're trying to provoke me into saying that Omer shouldn't be starting, and <laughs> and it's it's a thought. I mean, I it's I, I think their starting front court is still going to be AD and Omer because we saw Omer get really pouty in in Houston when he wasn't the guy, and if you lose Omer at the start of the season, you may have trouble getting him back, which is. Which is silly, but I, I think he's the guy you go with to start. I mean, I, I think you could very easily see a front court of say Terrence Jones and A D finishing the game if if uh Terrence Jones proves he's the guy from two years ago and three years ago and not the guy from last year. Um but I think you still start with Omer. Um I'm I'm not a had a pretty bad year in gentry system last year. I don't think he's a bad player. I just think he, he did better under Monty. And so I don't think he's really an option in my opinion. I think it's either Omer or um, maybe a guy like Terrence Jones If him and AD really have that sort of chemistry that they had at Kentucky and that, I mean, and, and Terrence Jones jumps back to who he was a couple of years ago. I I definitely think there'll be closing games if that happens. Um, But I still would, I I still would keep the front court the same as, as what we're expecting.
1: Yeah. uh, Well, I, I would say I think you're right there for some of the reasons you said and also for the reason that I I just think it's still a hard sell on Anthony Davis telling him you're starting at center. Um, you know, well, do you have
0: to, though? Do you have to tell him he's starting at center?
1: No, but I mean he, he, that's what he is if you end up starting him with a guy like Terrence Jones and then whoever oh. is in that, that three spot. Um, you're effectively starting him at center. And, I, you know, I think publicly he's going to say he doesn't mind that stuff. And privately, I don't know. I don't know where he is on that. I don't know where he is on his minutes being up at center. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, they're going to play him a lot at center and tell him that's not what he's doing, you know. I well, mean, that's, that's and, and sometimes it won't be what he's doing defensively, um, particularly if they can have Jones do some of that. Uh, but, but I still don't think they'll start that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I was listening to Sean Kelly talking to Terrence Jones yesterday, and I I mean, Terrence Jones made it pretty clear that he's cool with guarding centers. He did it in practice with the Rockets against Dwight Howard a lot last, you know, last year and and even two years ago. And I just, you know, I, I think, and you know, with the relationship those two guys have, I mean, with Terrence Jones and AD, like, I think you could, you know, start. Terrence Jones at center, if you want to call it that. And I mean, those two guys mix it up. You're going to, you'll have switches and you'll have, you'll have a bunch of reasons where they'll end up guarding each other's men. But I don't know. I I just think that you could get around that sort of, uh, Concern about 80, not wanting Ad to be center and making sure he's okay with it, and especially you know given the um the, the kind of chemistry those two already have.
1: Yeah, I still do think it's going to be Omer in the starting lineup. I've thought that from the very beginning, and I just continue to think it, regardless of you know whether it's because of Omer or because of Ad. I just I think that's going to be the guy who starts.
0: Yeah, yeah, Probably. with you.
1: And I don't think they'll finish that way very often. I mean, no. you know, even if Terrence Jones isn't that guy. Um, I still don't think you're going to see Omer on the floor at the end of games a whole lot, Wh- whatever that means. What- yeah. Whether that means Dante Cunningham's out there with Anthony Davis, I don't know exactly what all that's going to mean. But uh, you know, I-, I just suspect you will not see Omer uh, or Alexia Jenta for that matter at the end of games.
0: Yeah, and that's just that's just Gentry style. And I mean, you could, like you said, Dante Cunningham, Solomon Hill, also an option. Yeah, um, be- oh, that's, because of yeah. That's yeah, because I think of the go, reason. Probably. Yeah, because of the the reason we haven't talked about yet, the other thing the Pelicans, you know, kind of kind of brushed under the rug yesterday apparently, and saying Quincy Pondexter had his first full full go practice, and that makes me very finally something to get us optimistic about the season because I we missed him so dearly last year, and now you know if you get a a, a obviously we have to see how the knee holds up, but if you get a a, a Quincy that was even you know eighty ninety percent of what you had you know down the stretch in the playoff season a couple of years ago, that's that's a guy you can trot out there in a, in a finishing lineup and, and maybe allow uh, Solomon Hill to slide down to the, to the four in small ball lineups.
1: Yeah. And and even a guy who, if uh, down the road, I don't know if he's going to be ready to start at the beginning of the season. We'll see where that is. Um, but he's a guy who down the road, if you, if you wanted to start small, he's a guy who could start as well and you could have Solomon Hill. That's a fascinating lineup. I don't know how it would, I don't know how it would rebound against anybody, but it would be intriguing anytime you had, you know, Davis, Pondexter and Hill in the front court together. Um, -hmm. I don't know about the rebounding, but I like what it could do. I like, I like some of the versatility it would have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about um, uh, what, you know, once Drew gets back, you know, Drew Pondexter. Dexter, hill terence jones and ad as a potential small ball lineup which is the only thing that concerns me there is the you know do you have enough playmaking and ball handling because both your wings hallman hill and quincy are both you know they're not really they, they can't handle the ball particularly well and they can't really create a ton so that's obviously a concern there but i mean apart from that i think from you know a, a two-way perspective they can they can that, that's a strong shooting lineup it's a strong defensive lineup so um, lots of interesting ways you could kind of spend this, but it all, it all relies on a, on a healthy and you know active Drew Holiday.
1: Well, and that's the thing. I guess the question, in addition to how does it change rotations and how might it change the starting lineup and all that kind of stuff, this is a team that started one and eleven last year, and I just wonder if if he's not there, how much concern do you have about something like that? How much do you con? How much concern do you have about just a disastrous start that puts them in a hole before he ever gets back?
0: I mean, it's, it's gotta be a concern. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, that's what, he's your clear second best player. I, I, after we saw last year, he had a great year last year after, you know, especially after he finished, uh, he came off the restriction for, for back-to-backs. I mean, he was phenomenal with the, I mean, Pelicans don't exactly have the easiest of schedules in November. They got, you know, Golden State twice, uh, the Spurs, uh, the Celtics, Portland, you know, a- Atlanta, Portland again. I mean, this is all, you know, Charlotte. I mean, this is all before they they reach the start of December. Which the start of December is uh the Clippers and the Thunder, and so it's it's not gonna be the easiest of roads for um for for New Orleans. So it's you know it's it's definitely a, a concern that the wheels wheels come off the bus before. You know, they can even get a healthy team back out there, which is you know story of our last five seasons.
1: It's funny because it's it's a little like last year in the sense that the schedule is is uh, it's not utterly front loaded, but it's easier at no. the end than it is at the beginning, certainly. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those uh, it's one of those schedules, and and I don't know how many times I did this last year, but too many, as it turns out. Uh, you know, that I would look at the schedule remaining and say, hey, you know, like they've still got time, but look at what the schedule does. It's yep. going to get so much easier. But it turns out, you know, if you dig yourself a hole and all your players get hurt, it really doesn't matter who you play. Uh, if you don't have your players and you're so far out of the thing. Um, you know, I, I've said a million times, I think they'd have I, I, I believe that schedule was easy enough that if they'd have had a complete team, they probably would have made a push at the end. Um, but you can, as we've learned, you can get too far behind for that to matter, and that's the thing they have to find a way not to do. They just got to keep their head above water because you can. Uh, th- that is the kind of schedule that can put you in a really bad hole.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and just, it's it, even even the the teams that you know we don't project that to to be like serious. Serious threats or like, like they play they play Milwaukee twice. I have no idea what to expect from them. They yeah. play Milwaukee two before before November 12th. Uh, I mean, they had a they were solid up and coming team two years ago, kind of like the Pelicans. They took a step back last year and, you know, they could be they could take a huge step forward again this year. And then, you know, even team like Orlando that added Ibaka is trying to get closer to the playoffs, um, you know, quickly. Uh, I mean, then and, and they play Minnesota too. So, I mean, it, it, there's 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 no cakewalks in the NBA. I mean, we we know that we've seen that, and so it's you know without your second best player, it's going to be difficult no matter who you're playing.
1: Yeah, and and you know the the schedule. It, the, I, I once had a coach tell me a long time ago, and this applies in almost every sport, but certainly applies to basketball. Told me the most important thing is the players that you have. It's the, the the most important thing in basketball, obviously, the players that you have on your team. The second most important thing he said is who you play and when you play them. That's, yep. I mean, that, that is... Those are the things that determine your fate. It's who are your players and who do those players have to play against and not just who do they have to play against, but when do they play them and how do that, you know, uh, what's your health situation when you play them? What's their health situation? How, you know, what's the what string of games can get you in trouble? Um, all that stuff is so important to them and they're obviously going to have so many question marks on the player end that the schedule thing becomes super important. They, they've got to... It's a fascinating year because, you know, I think even before the, the holiday thing, obviously, we knew this was an important year. This is the kind of year you don't have the general, you know, you don't have the GM kind of sit on the hot seat for a while in the offseason and then, you know, not think of this as a crucial year for the franchise. It's very important. You're going in in a, in a situation where there was uncertainty about your management to begin with. Um, and so if, if this season doesn't go well, I think everybody's expectation is there are probably going to be some changes.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you take the approach last year of saying, "Hey, you know, we we once everyone came back and was healthy, we played like a fifty-win team. We we got in the playoffs. You know, we may have got swept, but we you know we hung with Golden State for all the time. Let's just let's run it back. Let's keep the same core guys and and see what we can do. I mean, granted, they didn't have much you know leniency uh, under the cap to do much much different than what they did. Um, so they just they went with it and it seemed like a, a, a reasonable plan at the time and then wheels came off the bus and so now we're kind of sh- shifting philosophy and, and which I think most people are, are, are behind and so but if you know this if shit, it's the fan again uh, with this new philosophy and it's it, even if it's due to the fact that our uh, A is out and they don't have a, a, a that, that number two guy behind AD I mean it's still going to cause some some problems and in, in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, and, and let me say that I'm going to say this next thing, and 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 you know I'm I'm going to give a little caveat here that I understand not only is life not fair, but the NBA is really not fair, uh, and coaching is really not fair. It's just it's the way it is. It's a bottom line business, and the the things that go into it, the factors that go into it, while they're legitimate, um, the factors that go into your failure and success, uh, you know, they are what they are. You 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 have to deal with them. Uh, all that said, I, I feel for Alvin Gentry in this sense that. You know, he signed on for one thing. And, he, you know, look, he he came to New Orleans to coach Anthony Davis. We know that. He viewed that as, you know, this is a you – you have a guy to build around. But he thought he had a roster that he had seen up close in that playoff series that you talked about as mm-hmm. an assistant in Golden State. Uh, he never had that roster. He hasn't had the team he expected to have – for a single day as a coach, um, and that that's last year's roster, and now with the Drew Holiday thing, it rolls over to a new roster, and yet still he's going to go in, and for whatever period of time to start the season, he still will have gone every day as the Pelicans coach without the team he expected to have that day. That kind of sucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it really sucks. I mean, thinking about, you now I, I think we talked about it a couple of times this year, uh, the uh, the amount of time at the Pelicans finishing five who we, that we all touted, like, just spent on the court together uh, over the three years that they played together was like uh, one to two percent of of all available minutes. And just, I mean, and now that kind of speaks to just that this wasn't, like you said, this is not what Gentry, Gentry signed up for and injuries have derailed. This team, and, and you know, obviously, you can't blame it all on injuries, but I'm definitely in your camp that you know it's it's just a it was a tough it was a raw deal for him. So hopefully, they can kind of weather the storm without Drew this time around and really um you know show some show some serious improvement as the season goes on.
1: The other kind of sneaky news this week, um and and I, I we could get into why this stuff is a little bit under the radar. I don't, you know, the the Pelicans probably could have done a little bit better job promoting some things this week, but Anthony Davis is back out on the floor. He's playing basketball, um, which was not, it was not something that was made a huge deal of, but it is a huge deal um, for the franchise. It's a big thing that Anthony Davis is back out and he's playing pickup and he's, you know, he's, he's Anthony Davis or he's, he's going to be, he's going to be Anthony Davis by the start of the season. Um, And that brings me to something else I wanted to kind of talk to you about. If I ask you today on September 8th, um, do you expect an Anthony Davis closer to 14-15 Anthony Davis or 15-16 Anthony Davis in 16-17? What do you tell me?
0: It's such a difficult question that has multiple levels to it cuz I know what we're talking we're when we're comparing 14-15 to 15-16, we're looking at the difference in offensive efficiency mostly cuz the numbers right. the numbers weren't that different. It was a fact that he was way more efficient offensively in fifth in 1415 because he had more help around him and, and attention and also you know there was more attention on him regardless in the following season it could have they could have had all the same players but there was more attention on ad because the he was touted as the, maybe a top three top five player in the league going the last year and so he was going to get more of that attention and then that compounded compounding that was all the injuries and saying oh well we don't have to guard anyone else besides ad so this is this has got a little bit easier um, you know, that being said, I I see him closer to 14, 15 for sure. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think he's going to be as super as super efficient on offense as he was for parts of 14, 15 playing with Anderson and you know the rest of the and Eric Gordon and, and all those offensive threats that really force defenses to spread out. Um, but I, I think that he's also two years older, and I think he you know we can't ignore the fact that. You know, he's he's getting older. He's getting more. He's his body's maturing. He's learning more things as a basketball player. He's getting better. And that's going to help him by itself get closer to the numbers he put up in 14 15. Um I think the kind of overlook part part is what does that mean for him defensively? And I think that's, you know, that that's where this roster compared to years past, is, I think, is really going to help him because they don't have all of the revolving doors around the perimeter that they had in previous years and i think this offseason was really geared towards helping AD be a, a, a better a better defender and so that's what that's really what i'm excited to see from AD this year is how how his defense changes based on the players around him
1: yeah that, that's i mean to me that's one of the most interesting things they did I, they, they built a roster that that i've said this a million times this offseason that, that they built a roster i think that says hey we believe in this guy we we think that these guys he can make these guys better and these guys serve him well as complementary pieces um and and defensively is a huge part of that it's it's i mean it, it's more than half of it maybe what they've done uh to try to lighten his load a little bit is is what they've done defensively and i'm interested in it i'm also interested frankly in a thing that's hard to quantify and that is just I have the sense that he will be very motivated going into this year, assuming that he is healthy now and he gets this month of gear up and, and month to prepare. Um, I think we will see a guy who plays a little differently than he did at the beginning of last year. Because frankly, when we talk about them not maybe having the the effort and the commitment all year long last year that Alvin Gentry wanted, he is not immune. To that I did not think that at the beginning no. of the year he played the way he's capable of playing. Um, I think maybe some of that was still trying to find his way in a new system. Um, but I, I would expect to see a little bit more confident, a little bit more assertive guy. I have the sense that he will be a little fired up by the fact that we can have a discussion about whether or not last year was, was you know regression. Because it's the first time in his life, really, his basketball life, that that's even been a discussion. I have a feeling he will be a little fired up by Carl Anthony Towns' talk. Um, mm-hmm. I just think he's going to be an extra motivated guy going into the year.
0: See, and, and that's interesting because uh, I was actually this topic came up. I did, I did a different podcast a couple of days ago about you know is Ad the type of guy who's going to really you know take offense to other people being talked about in, uh, instead of him. And I kind of uh, and you you're closer to Ad than I am for multiple reasons, so you you would know better. But I, I was I was saying that he's going to be motivated because he wants to be the best player in the NBA more than he's going to be motivated because, oh, they're talking about Carl Anthony when they should be talking about me. And I just feel like, I feel like that that's not the kind of guy he is. And he's just more about, I want to be the best and I'm going to do what I can to be the best. And I, and I agree with you that he didn't really show that to start last year. I think some of the effort questions can easily be directed towards him. I think I, I, I mean, I know Zach Lowe said it at, at least once last season. And so, um so, so yeah, I mean, I do think he's going to be a more, more motivated player. um I, I think, you know, I, I don't think he enjoyed last season. I think there was also some, uh, again, this is something you would know better than me, some locker room issues last season between certain guys on the roster. And hopefully, with that gone, the team kind of having more positive morale will help the the effort as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, they have to get off to a better start because that that stuff deteriorates fast mm-hmm. if if you when when you're just losing all the time. Um, and and to clarify what I'm saying, I, I there's a couple things with AD. One he thinks about his basketball legacy in terms of not like having a great season or whatever but in terms of like being one of the greatest players of all time. This is a mm-hmm. thing he thinks about. It's not like and that's not like some great insight into him. It's something he we've talked about. I've had this conversation with him. Uh he thinks that way. And the the reason I think a, a little thing like Carl Anthony Towns might give him a little bit of motivation is is really because one, if you wanna be that guy, you have to be better than these other guys. You have to be the best among your, your peers and you gotta you know, that that's the thing that's gonna be important. But the Kentucky thing adds to all the Carl Anthony Town stuff. That's the uh-huh. reason I think he'll be a little bit fire, a little bit fired up. If it was somebody else, I don't know that it would be as big a thing. But those guys, while they all really like each other, they are hyper competitive. Uh-huh. And and I think that that, that that degree of discussion about a younger guy uh, in that way, I think it'll light a little bit of a fire. I don't think he'll ever say that, but I think it will do it.
0: Yeah, that, no, that makes sense. I didn't, I didn't consider the Kentucky aspect, but, uh, am um, yeah, I'm on board and you now I'm excited to see, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the AD that we get, um, this season.
1: The other thing is, like, you know, I, I've, I've been guilty of this sometimes, and I always try to catch myself, and I try to point it out to other people, too. He had a really good year. It just wasn't – it wasn't – as you say, it wasn't as offensively efficient. It wasn't historically offensively efficient like the year before. But, like, he had a great year last year. He had a really good NBA season that we kind of are like, huh, that's weird. What was wrong with him?
0: <laughs> he scored 59 points in a game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, I, mean, and I, I think he and Cousins ended up being the only two guys to average twenty and ten, right? I mean, he had like a he had a great year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't think that's really lost on anyone. I think that just compared to what he did in fourteen, fifteen, he set such a high bar for himself, and so um, which I think now in turn for this season will be will be good because he's going to want to get back to where he was a couple of years ago.
1: Where are you on him as a as a three point shooter, like in terms of volume and what you want? If it's just your preference,
0: hmm. I mean, I like. I, I want him to be able to to make defenses care about that. I don't want him living out there as much as he was last year. Um, and it's you know, it's it's kind of uh, lineup dependent. I, um, but I think just in general, I think uh, he. I, I do like the uh, the notion of having a, a lineup out there where all five guys have to be guarded from three point range. Um so if he can prove he can knock it down a little bit higher of a clip that he did last year. Um I am I'm, I'm totally on board but I don't I don't want him kind of spotting up as much and just kind of living on the perimeter as much as he uh as much as he did last year.
1: Yeah, Alvin talks a lot about, you know, thinking he can get into that 38 range, 38 39% range. And if he can do that without, you know, at a reasonable number of attempts, it's obviously great for them. I think if you could pick one thing that you'd like to see him do better, I still think it's passing. Um, I still think like involving guys a little bit more and reacting to double teams a little faster is his best. I think that's the place where you'd like to see him make a big leap, but, but I like the three point shot for him because I think he's going to be real good at it.
0: Yeah. I mean, like I, I think 38, 39%. I, I, I would be very surprised if he gets there anytime any time soon. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, even if he can get above – anything above like 35 percent, I think yeah. you have – you at least have to guard someone. Yeah, if you so- consistently
1: shoot 34, I think you're in pretty good shape. If he's not yeah. taking a ton, you know, if he – if, he, if I, I think that's a fairly efficient use of his three-point shooting. If you get him on not a ton of attempts and shooting 34 percent, yeah, it's not bad for a guy his size who do so many other things. Yeah. But I don't know. I, you know, I, I think you don't want him taking, you know, five or six of them a game for the most part.
0: Yeah, I I think that's yeah you know, it's it's a little I think that's on the on the high side and I, again obviously it's you know matchup and 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 game dependent I mean depending on who you know who's got who's got guarding them and, and what the you know what the game plan is but I think generally speaking that's that's too many you, you're at your best when you've got AD kind of patrolling patrolling the rim and, and you know I just think about all the 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 Kobe assists uh, so to speak that Tyreek uh gave ad um a couple of years ago just put back dunks and like that's that's where ad's at his best
1: who's your kobe assist guy if tyreek's not playing
0: <laughs> um that's a it's a great question um man i don't know because norris cole's gone too even though that because that's the only time norris cole ever got ad the ball was through kobe assists. so
1: that's uh, true norris cole still hasn't landed anywhere has he unless no. i missed something
0: in like today no, nah, Jake made a joke about that yesterday, and I was not amused about now that Drew – now, do they bring in Norris Cole because they need a point guard? <laughs> I was like – I said that's – I would not wish that on anybody. So I'm going to call uh, that unlikely. Um, I'm, <laughs> me I'm gonna too. Say, I'm going
1: to say right now, uh, uh, September 8th, unlikely the Pelicans <laughs> bring back Norris Cole. I could probably go stronger than unlikely.
0: <laughs> I think you and me both could.
1: I think, uh, but he'll he'll land somewhere at some point. What what have we talked about? Is there anything we need to talk about? I'm I'm I, I went into this with utterly no notes whatsoever.
0: <laughs> um, let's see. What are other what are the guys? I'm just there... gonna make you do
1: the work now. Like you think of something. What what like what
0: what? Maybe we're done, but I don't know. Like maybe <laughs> I mean. So we, we talked about Quincy coming back. We talked about uh, Ad and uh, and Buddy. Did you, so what's I I, I want to get your thoughts a little more about on on Jinsa and like his role with with the Pelicans this this season. Like do you think do you think he's gone? Like do you think they're gonna trade him? I mean it just doesn't seem like especially adding a guy like Terrence Jones, um, who you expect to to play some. Uh, hopefully uh, if he's playing a lot, that means he's, he's kind of back from, from all his injury issues and he's jiving with, with AD pretty well. Um, do you think he's, he, he's going to get a lot of DMPs or what's, what's yeah, up?
1: That's the guy to me that if you, uh, and I, I think I've said this before, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I think if you, if you look at the way they've changed their line, their roster and, and the way they are likely to change the rotation, somebody has to get squeezed out if they're healthy. Um, and to me, he is the most likely guy because, you know, you know what Omer gives you that the other guys don't, I mean, like in theory, if he's healthy, he should be a really good rebounder, which this is a team that's very much going to need that. And he's a guy who should be able to, you know, to, to bruise a little bit with some of the bigger guys. Jensen doesn't do either of those things for you very well. Um, he does give you a little bit of, you know, he's an additional, uh, spread the floor guy. I, if Terrence Jones shoots the ball reasonably well, which he's capable of doing, he's not. You don't want him taking a bunch of threes. Um, right. But if he's a reasonably good shooter and if he's, again, as you've said before, if he's if he's just closer to the guy he was two and three years ago, it takes away a lot of incentive to me to play a Jensa. Um, and I do think he's a reasonably tradable asset. But I certainly think if he's on the roster, he's a guy who you could see just not – getting a lot of time because I don't think it's going to be Cunningham. I don't think that's going to be a guy you're going to see disappear. Um, and so if, if somebody is to me, a seems like a very likely guy.
0: Yeah. Does Diallo play at all this year?
1: I think he'll play some. I mean, I, I do think his most, uh, you know, I, I think his, his value is going to be in practice more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I will say he is going to be a guy who's on a learning curve that I think could accelerate. And if it accelerates, A lot. Then by the second half of the year, who knows? He is a guy we just don't know a lot about because his basketball sample size is so small. It's it's hard to project how much better he might get. But if you take him a year ago when he's a high school senior, you know he's expected to be as good as all these guys who are you know high first round picks. So what happens if he sort of catches up to that development? Is he a guy who could make an impact? I I don't think it's going to be. He's not going to be a scorer. Um, but could he help okay. you a little bit if he's a guy who blocks shots and rebounds and runs the floor? Maybe. And again, you know, what if Terrence Jones isn't very good? What if last year is what Terrence Jones is now? Um, then maybe you see him thrust into a little bit more of a thing. Although I kind of, I'm going in with the expectation that Terrence Jones is going to be better. That's just that's my guess. And so yeah, and if that's I'm, the case. Then then I think not a it, ton for for uh, for yeah. Him. I just don't see a ton.
0: And I agree. I'm almost scared now to the point where I, I feel like I've been talking about Terrence Jones being, you know, having that chemistry and playing a lot with AD this this upcoming season. I feel like I've talked about it so much that you know, if he is the player from last year, which is not, uh, which is very far from a not, from a zero percent chance. I mean, it's it's a it's a very pos- strong possibility that he's just that's that's him. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's more likely than he bounces back. But I think it's certainly possible that you know maybe something happened last year and he can't really get back to what you know the, the upward curve that he was uh trending on so um so i don't know but i i i am confident in terrence jones uh this cup season and the only thing with the ginsa that could actually end up being fun is if you end up moving a ginsa and then something happens with omer like not to say injuries are fun they're not they're never fun but if like if something happens with omer he's has got to miss a week or two and then you don't have a ginsa because you traded him there's are zero centers on the roster, and then Gentry's like, "Oh well, I guess I got to play small all the time," uh, and he really his hands are really tied unless you you know some sign some guy to a uh, you know to a minimum deal or something like that. But um, that so that's another interesting twist. But I mean, I, I feel as yeah. of right now, I'm not projecting projecting any sort of trades because um, I mean, you know, who knows?
1: Yeah, if that if that did happen, you'd have six nine Shek Diallo playing some center. Yeah. Uh, that would be happening a lot probably because a he's 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 long he's a lot longer than your average 6'9", and B, you just wouldn't have anybody else.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah. I I think, you know, on Terrence Jones, I think the reality of Terrence is probably somewhere between last year and two years ago or three years ago. Three years ago is, is kind of his best year. I think two years ago is better statistically, but he didn't play as much because he had some injuries. Um, I, I think he's probably something in between those two things, but I, I think he is a guy who... It's it's sneaky for him because he's not like a a one or a two or or even a three. Uh, He's I think this is a system that could benefit him, even though he is not a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, because I do think he's smart. I think he's got a good basketball IQ um, and I think he's a better passer than maybe we kind of think he is. Um, and I think he's he does have that ability to sort of share the ball with A D. They showed that at Kentucky. They had a really nice uh chemistry passing between the two of them, a lot of the, the, the lobs they threw to each other. I just think he's a guy who fits, and I think they think he's a guy who fits. And that doesn't mean he's a, you know, a fifteen and eight guy. I don't think that's gonna be the reality. But but I I'm really intrigued by him and I, I have a sense that he will probably be, you know, closer to that good Terrence Jones than than whatever that was last year. Cause I think there were a lot of weird circumstances
0: last year. Oh yeah. There were tons of weird circumstances on that rocket team. And another thing he's, he's 24 years old. So, I mean, that's not, we're not trying to say that his, his growth or his growth curve is, is done. Like, right, uh, right. There's still, you know, but we're talking about whether he'll be closer to two years ago or last year, but you know, he could be, you know, he could be, you know, two years ago with a little bit of growth on his game. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, there's a there's a wide range of possibilities for for him. And um, I'm, I think it's a very more than worthwhile gamble at the league minimum for the Pels
1: Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, I talk about the things I think will motivate Anthony Davis. I, I think what will very much motivate Terrence Jones and, and he, by the way, is a little I mean, he's a guy who just he likes comfort. He like, you know, he stayed at Kentucky because he, you know, just kind of wanted to. He played a sophomore year. Um, you know, he he, he probably was going to get drafted in a pretty similar spot after his freshman year to what he got drafted after his sophomore year. Uh, he just kind of does what he wants to do. He does what makes him what makes him happy and what makes him comfortable. But I, I do think that I, there's very little doubt in my mind. He's going to be very motivated by the fact that he just went through a free agency period where they were throwing money around like crazy and he couldn't get any of it. Uh, and he's got a chance now to go back into that free agency in a year, um, w- with a good season under his belt. And so I, I do think he's going to be. I think you'll get a, another very highly motivated player there.
0: Yeah, and you know, with even more money set to be thrown around next uh, next offseason, I mean, you can you can bet he's got a ton of reasons to come out and play to the, to the best of his ability.
1: Yeah, he's the guy. I, for whatever reason, I never really get tired of talking about him, just because he's. They've got a they're they're a mystery team to me, but he's like the the big mystery guy. He's the you know he's he's door number one or whatever. He's the box Mm -hmm. with the X on it. He's he's just fascinating because I think the ceiling is pretty high, but we saw the floor last year and it was it was not a pretty floor.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like we said, a lot a lot went wrong with with Houston last year. I mean, he went from a he went from the starter on the two seed Rockets team to just a, a total mess. But I mean, there's lots of extenuating circumstances there so hopefully he can get a little more ironically enough a little more stability in new orleans yeah of course
1: known for its stability uh this organization certainly all right anything else anything else we got to get to Nah, I think
0: um, I think I think we're good. Um, anyone else besides uh, I know I know Chris Copeland's also going to camp for for New Orleans. Is there anyone else that could come out of the, the woodworks and, and fight for a, a roster spot?
1: I mean, Sean Dawson's interesting because they like him. They they've liked him for a while, um, and he, he intrigues me just from a standpoint that you know uh, they scouted him in Israel. Um, they they've known about him for a good long while. He chose to be here, and I don't think it was his only option. And he chose to come to a team that had 15 guaranteed contracts. And uh, you know, he's a guy. uh, In talking to him and talking to his agent, I think uh, they look at Bryce DeJean Jones and sort of the path he took to the NBA. And obviously, you know, we mentioned Bryce. It's there's a a tragedy at the end of that, but they look at what the Pelicans did with him, what they saw in him, and, and then bringing him back out of the D League. And I think look at that as maybe the path for them. And maybe it's not even here. Maybe it's somewhere else. Um, but I, I do think that he's a he's a guy who they really are interested in seeing because he's a guy they've seen a lot of potential in for a long time. Um, and hey, you know, uh, you were talking about the big guys. They're going to bring Robert Sacre in. All right,
0: that's not, he's not. <laughs> I completely gonna, forgot about that. That's not going to be a thing.
1: <laughs> but I mean, it, it's so it's so weird for them because you know I, I had a bunch of people ask me why do they even do this. But it, there's it's obvious that you bring in more guys than you have space for. Um, it, most years because you gotta, you gotta, you gotta play guys in the preseason. You gotta have some guys get to, you know, you wanna, you wanna distribute those minutes. Um, you wanna have competitive practices. And, and those guys too, that, you know, they come to a team with, with 15 because, you know, there's only so many jobs in the NBA. you got to – if you want to be in a camp, you got to go with somebody. Uh, and you're not just trying out for the Pelicans. You're trying out for everybody else too. So, um, you know, th- there's lots of reasons why guys choose to go to a team that already has 15 and why a team with 15 takes more guys. Um, but but it would be surprising. They'd, they'd have to really do a lot of uh, maneuvering to get any of those guys on the team.
0: Yeah. yeah I mean, and yeah, I can totally – you can only understand not only uh, prices and Jones, but also – Hey, James Ennis just got a two-year, six-million-dollar contract from Memphis after yeah. he finished the season in New Orleans. So, lots of uh, you know strong cases there. So yeah, they've,
1: can- they've built a nice reputation, really. And it's—I mean, you know, if you're trying to win championships, this isn't the reputation exactly that you're going for. But It's, it's
0: something <laughs> you got to start somewhere,
1: exactly. And they have a reputation as having a good eye for the D League, and it's—it's it's, for a team that doesn't have a uh, for a franchise that doesn't have a team. They've done a really nice job with the D
0: League. Yeah, that's that's a that's a topic for another day. Is a D league situation, but hopefully, you know, it's it's been it's been talked about a little bit, and hopefully, at some point, they they grab their own, they can. You know, get their own team somewhere.
1: Yeah, it's going that way. They have to get it done because it's 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 getting to the point where it's a hindrance not to have it. You really, yep. it's everybody's got one. They got to do it. They got to put one somewhere in this footprint and try to work on building the brand, but also just have a place. They just need their own place for developing because it, it is a little trickier. They, and again, they've done a really nice job for a team that doesn't have a team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little trickier to deal with when you don't have your own team when you can't, uh, you know, you, you can't make the same kind of personnel moves everybody else can when you don't have that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep
1: disadvantage all right so
0: um
1: chicago enjoy uh it's gonna get cold soon enjoy that
0: yeah I, come on give me a little bit of time here it's just, it's not I'm that je- bad jealous, jealous. <laughs> it's it's in the, it's been in the 80s all week it was uh, beautiful in green bay this weekend and then i came back to the uh, to the humidity here but um oh but,
1: the 80s yeah. that must be so difficult for you
0: this is this the next month or so is is when I get to laugh at all of my friends down south, and then two to three months from now is when I they they laugh at me. Yeah, so. yeah, sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> enjoy it. I, I'm jealous. The leaves will change colors. That's a, that's a thing that I miss a lot. So I'll uh, y- you enjoy the cold, and and we'll swelter through down here, and maybe we'll see you at the All Star game or something.
0: Yeah, looking very, very much looking into that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can swing that trip. It's going to be a crazy, um, crazy month. I have a cousin getting married, then the All-Star Game, and then Mardi Gras, three straight weekends. So um, I'm still still pushing for the one weekend I come in to be the All-Star Game, but we'll see how it works out. (laughs) All right.
1: Good luck with it. I'm sure I'll talk to you uh, before then, probably on this podcast, I would hope. Sounds great. you're a hugely successful guest. I like having you back.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate you you having me on. It's always, always fun talking to you, Brett. All right. Thanks, Mason. Yep. All right. So that was Mason Ginsburg. I want
1: to thank him for coming on. I know it's a, a big moment in his life to be a multiple time guest on this podcast. He's not going to catch uh, Scott Kushner anytime soon as a uh, repeat guest, but still uh, a monumental achievement and, uh, and good for us too. Cause I like having him on. So I really appreciate him coming on. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. I want to remind you uh, check out seat geek, download the app, uh, go to that settings tab, uh, and clicked on enter a promo code, enter locked on PELS, P-E-L-S. They're going to send you $20 back the first time you make a purchase through that app. And I promise you, you're going to like using the SeatGeek app. So uh, thank them for supporting us. I want you to go out and support them. Really appreciate that. Uh, reminder, because I didn't do it earlier in the show, you can subscribe to this podcast and you can leave us a rating and a review. Really appreciate that. Gets our listener numbers up just a little bit by getting us uh, moving up some lists. So uh, definitely would like for you to do that. I think some of the podcasts, maybe most of the podcasts on the uh, on on network are going to move to the daily schedule, the five times a week schedule, starting next week as we get closer to the NBA season. I don't think I'm going to quite make it to that next week. I am going to try to do more than one, but uh, scheduling is going to make doing five a little bit difficult. But we're headed that way. We'll be, we'll be getting that way pretty soon as we start to shift more toward uh, a preview mode and, uh, and doing five podcasts a week. So we're almost back there. Almost made it back to that point. So don't know exactly how many days I'll do next week. Don't know exactly who the guests will be, but you know, this, I will be here and I hope you will be too.